Hi FM presents South African politics and news with the South African Institute of Race Relations. The IRR Show, independent, relevant and real, is hosted by Big Daddy Liberty and Sarah Gon every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10, promoting life, liberty and property rights. Welcome back to the IRR Show and I'd like to welcome our guest, Telford Vice. Telford, good morning. Good morning. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. Um, we gave a little bit of your bio um earlier in the program, just to in, in advance of you coming on, and I, I refer to you as a sort of veteran cricket journalist, but also um, a writer on culture, politics, and a screenwriter. Am I, in, am I correct? S- sounds good. I'm going to put that in my CV, I think. <laughs> okay, it's all yours. It's all yours. Um, so obviously, we, we sort of come to a, a, a point that we can really reflect back on, and that is the fact that an interim new board for Cricket South Africa was appointed over mm. this weekend. Um, can I go back and say, from your view on when... I mean, the cricket governance has been fractious for for, uh, for a long time. But for, mm. from your point of view, when did the rot that has resulted in where we're at really start? In September 2017, when Tabang More was appointed as uh, CSA's acting chief executive, I think that's when the wheels really started falling off. Um, it had been a process up until then. I mean, if we, if some of us are old enough to remember the bonus scandal, which came out of the 2009 IPL, which was hosted in South Africa and hosted very well and at short notice. And as a token of appreciation, um, the IPL organizers paid CSA something like 4.7 million rand, which doesn't sound like an awful lot. The problem is that that money did not go through the proper procedures in terms of CSA's governance channels, and after a long time, uh, the then chief executive, uh, Gerald Majola was fired and there was, you know, an investigation ordered into CSA and its structure, the Nicholson Commission, it, it became. And the key recommendation of that commission that CSA's board be structured, uh, equal numbers of independent and non-independent members and that the chair be one of the independent members, that was sort of ignored and swept aside and Saskoff didn't like it. And so that never happened. And I think that is essentially what has led us to this crisis point, you know, because let's not forget that Tabang Mure went from the deputy president or vice president of the board into the chief executive's position. And that in itself is a governance problem, um, you know, and, and, and of course took a lot of those loyalties with him and was given a lot of largesse and, and, and is now being fired himself. The only person to leave that job in one piece is Ali Bacha. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was a long time ago. Yes, it was. So that's that's where we are now. Uh, you know, September 20, 2017 is where these problems started. But uh, those are the chickens coming home to roost from 2009, essentially. Yeah. I, I just just for for listeners who are not aware, basically at from 2017, what we were looking at is seven non-independent members of the board. In other words, um, uh, presidents of uh, provincial. Um, the, the, the provincial areas and five independents. So the, the non-independents already had two more, plus what they call invitees, which were the CEO, um, the, the company secretary and the CFO. And as I understand it, um, the, the constitution and or no, it's not even a constitution. It's a, it, it, it's a memory, essentially a memory, mem, sorry, memorandum of understanding. Um, says that the cricket essay applies the king three principles, um, 
And there, you know, the things like, uh, audit and risk committees, HR uh, remuneration committees, finance and commercial committees, social and ethics committees. And all that seems to have come to naught and had absolutely no effect on the disaster that, uh, that CSA become, became. Um, is there, I mean, if, if, it, it goes to show that obviously it's the people who manage the process rather than the process itself that make the difference. You, you may have very good uh, processes, but doesn't make a great deal of difference if the people are not um, honest or have integrity. That's right. That, that's exactly what's happening. You know, I, I, I do feel for there's very many good people within cricket at CSA itself who do mm. very good jobs. And in the provinces and the franchises and the clubs and the schools, there's lots of people working very hard with, with scant resources and not a very mm. good economic or financial outlook. And they just keep doing their jobs and they do them very well. Um, I was at Newlands yesterday on the first day of this very strange season, and mm. uh, you know, and 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 things were taken care of, um, and 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 done well, and and done with a lot of heart, and you find that all over the. Place. I mean, I spoke to one of uh, the franchise or, or the provincial CEOs this weekend, and he's studying towards a PhD because he wants mm. to be a better cricket administrator. You know, those mm. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But then you have other people who, are in key positions, who I'm afraid are just part of the problem and are intent on hanging on to as much power as they can. Mm. And and what is your assessment of the largely unseen Fundunzi report? Because surely, in any particularly public entity, if a, if a report, if a damning report is uh, is, is written by auditors, um, it should be made it should be made public. People need to know what what's going on in particularly. I mean, a, a sport is first and foremost for the fans and the cricketers. The administrators are in the background making that happen. Um, and they haven't made it happen. They've made it sort of crumble into dust. So They're getting in the way of it happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, surely the, the report has to uh, has to be published, uh, publicised? Well, you would think so. The line coming out of CSA was that because they commissioned the report, mm. they own it and they can do what they like with it. Um, I think that has been trumped. Use an unfortunate word in these, this day and age. Um, by what, um, Good day for us, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. What Martin Tetra said, um, when was this? The other day when he announced his, uh, the, um, the interim board that this report must be made public. Now I'm not sure whether he has, you know, the, the ammunition to put to, 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 to use to make sure that becomes public, but it does seem that way. I know that when CSA went to, to the uh, parliamentary portfolio committee and said pretty much the same thing, that it's, it's their report and they're not going to make it public, there was, the, the committee was similarly aghast. And and uh, let's hope it does get made public. I'm not sure I'm up to read 468 pages of legalese. No, the executive summary will do. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's well, uh, a summary written by CSA's lawyers is already out there. Uh, oh, okay. And so that's out there, but of course that's written by CSA's lawyers. So I'm not sure how far mm-hmm. I trust that. Um, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So it, it, with with a bit of luck, it'll be out there, but um, as yet, not yet. Um, can I get your view on? The involvement, to a greater or lesser extent, uh, over the years of, the, of SASCOC, the governing body of all the sports federations in South Africa, uh, because you mentioned that, um, you know, SASCOC was none too keen on, on essentially the, the the King Three uh, points that sh- should have been adhered to, all the all, all the all, all the management. Uh, uh, requirements that should have been met in order to run the body properly. Um, Sascock it, itself has a, a lousy reputation. Did it 
have a, a role, a significant role in, in CSA's demise? Yes, I do think so. Um, you know, it was Saskok who, who raised loud objections to independence uh, being on an equal footing, never mind in the, in, in the majority on, on CSA's board. Um, they made that noise, and CSA were able to hide behind that. Of course, mm. there's a lot of incestuousness going on here. You know, CSA are part of Saskok. Saskok mm. is, 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 in a lot of ways, CSA in, in macrocosm. Their, their problems mm. Mm. be exponentially bigger than CSA's. Mm. So you're dealing with the same set of problems. It's all swirling in the same gene pool. Um, and, and it's just, it's just not a very good picture. And, you know, Saskatchewan in itself as, as, as an organization, and, uh, you know, what, why do we have this organization? Yeah, absolutely. It's, no, it's, absolutely. You know, it's hard to pin, you know, why this thing exists. Um, mm. and, and you could argue, why do we have a miniature sport? Mm. Um, because, you know, it's the toy department of government, for goodness sake. And yeah. they have better things to do. So it's, there are a lot of questions swirling around this. Yes, Saskok are essentially part of the same problem. Um, and, and while they're with us, I don't think we're going to see this solved. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's a, it's, it's part of the, of, of the problems we've always had is that, that ministry, Saskok, the, the, the inability or the, the refusal to allow, um, federations of sports to run themselves, and mm. at, that's the level at which it stops. Um, what I wanted to ask is to come to the new board, which is put in, put in place uh, by the minister for a three-month period. Now, just from a, from a regulatory point of view, as I understand it, the uh, governing the the members' council um, is responsible for, for putting forward the the uh, the directorship of the. Of CSA, am, am I am I correct in that? It, it, that's where the that's where the membership. Uh, that's sorry, that's where the board emanates from. It it does. Well, the members' council is comprised of the fourteen presidents of the provincial affiliates. That's the members' council. But CSA structure, and I think it's a central flaw in the structure, is that half of those members sit on the board as well. Mm. Mm. So they essentially police themselves. I mean, that's a mess to start with. Um, so, you know, the, the, that's where the board comes from. And yes, it's, it's elected. It's made up of, uh, of seven, as we said, non-independent members and, and five independents. Um, and that, that's the essential thing. And I honestly think that is, that's such an idiotic system. Mm. You know, you can't, you've, you, you're designing corruption into it, essentially. Mm. And, and mm. you can't have that. That's just silly. But, mm. You know, it's it's also when you look at the kind of people who end up on CSA's board, um, these are without trying to be insulting. These are people who live generally small little lives. Mm, you know, mm. the president of CSA was a uh, was a man called A.K. Khan. Who I actually lo- I like A.K. Khan. I like talking to him. He's a friendly uncle. But mm. A.K. You know, he, what he does for a living is is is, is sell schoolboys trousers. You know, mm, mm. I mean, now you're sending this man off. To an ICC meeting to decide, you know, on, on, on the direction that South Africa's, South African cricket's going to take in the next few years. And, and mm. you're battling with people like India for fixtures and things like that. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, good luck, Uncle AK Khan. Um, and, and so <laughs> this, is the, this is the situation. You have this members council of small people, um, electing this board, putting this board together. And, and, you know, and the, the other thing is that South Africa's board, never mind that. South African cricket doesn't have the biggest amount of money in the world, but they pay their board members 400,000 rand a year if you attend all your Good meetings. God. In fact, 
it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, you, you should not be paid that amount of money. It's completely out of out of whack with with the South African cricket situation and global cricket situation. Other directors in other countries don't get paid that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that to factor into it as well. Um, and yes, I, I've said this a few times. It's not a great situation. Uh, no, I would say that paying for travel expenses would be about be enough, and it would show the commitment to get involved from the best possible standpoint. I, I gather that the decision from the members' council to dissolve the the board was was a seven to six decision. So it was very very tight, which is in itself. I mean, thank God it went that way, but in itself, it's very, very worrying. It is worrying. Um, uh, something which I've written is, um, it, it's, you know, once you've taken a decision at the, as the members' council to that the board should resign, mm. uh, even if you were not in agreement with that decision in during your members' council deliberations, you can't very well now, as a member of the board, go against that decision. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think they were kind of between a, a rock and a hard place. Um, and I think that's, that example just illustrates how untenable this situation is, where you have people sitting on the members' council also sitting on the board. That's just shouldn't be allowed. And, well, happily, Rian Richards, who's been named the uh, interim uh, president of the members' council, a, a position which never existed before a few days ago, um, mm-hmm. he, has, he has said that they are going to split all of these uh, roles and that you will no longer be able to sit on multiple bodies. Um, mm. as, as, as recommended by Nicholson. Well, jolly good. Nicholson came out in 2012. You've only had, you know, eight years to do this. Um, so it's, uh, it looks as if we may be getting there. But again, it's, you've got to, you know, put your foot on CSA's throat for them to go, do anything like this. Which is and, and you, and you rely very, very heavily on just having the right person with the right attitude to, to spearhead the right direction and uh, until you until you've got that you can't put in the place the the uh, processes and procedures that will ensure that the people in charge do the right thing as a matter of course i wanted to ask you um telford about the new board uh, the interim board and Mm. one is to give your overall impression and perhaps then i'll i'll pin you down on some of the specifics um then as i read it correctly the nine board members headed by the retired Constitutional Court Judge Zach Yacoub. What's your impression? Can is this board worthwhile, and can it do anything worthwhile in three months? Probably not in three months. You know, I, I think it was it was probably more important that the that the former board has resigned. I think that actually mm-hmm. means more. You know, you, you've kind of got them out of the way. That helps. Um, in three months, I'm not sure, especially as having gone on at length about the value of independence, you know, independence in South African cricket seems to mean let's get people who know nothing about cricket. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that's what you have on this board. Five of them are independents. Some, okay, the, I do not know how much they know about cricket at this stage. Mm-hmm. So let me not damn them before they've even begun. Um, but it would have been good to see people on the board who had been involved in cricket, went off into the real world, and are now in a position to come back and mm-hmm. hand over that knowledge. Um, two names mentioned to me, people like that, were David Tabrugger, who's, mm-hmm. who's, who's, for instance, gone on and made a great success, success of himself at Investec. Yes. Um, yes. And, and Adam Bacher, who is yes. also in, in, in yes. the money world and whatnot. So people like that, who, you know, who, who know about cricket, but also know about the business world and, and how things work. They yeah. might, you know, better. And we heard other names flying around. Uh, Vince Van Abel was another one mentioned. Mm. 
Um, now, you know, the part of that complication is that the three people I mentioned are all white men. And, yeah, and, yeah. And of course, that becomes part of this challenge of putting together the mm-hmm. board problem. Yeah. Particularly, I think particularly as the uh, acting CEO, Ms. Govinder, m- made a, a huge amount of noise about transformation at a point where, uh, tra- let's put it this way, pro- transformation has, is, would be the least of their problems. Um, it, it, it's, it's the, again, and Zikla and I were talking about it, it's the question of experience. I mean, as you say, David Tabrucha, I mean, ideal cricketer, um, made us, has made a successful career at Ivestek. That combination should be, should theoretically be absolutely wonderful. Exactly. And they seem to have almost steered away from that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, for instance, and then they, they do have somebody like Harun Logat, who's, who's, mm. who's And of course, you know, that is an interesting thing. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Harun Logat has the skills, has the experience, he's been chief right. executive of the ICC as well as CSA. So he knows how this works. But, you know, in September 2017, when Tabang, basically he was cleared out of the way to make room for mm, Tabang mm, Moret. Mm. So how does that influence things? And let's not forget that um, Harun left because um, the CSA board at that time um, decided that there was no way that the global T20 league that he was trying to organize was going to mm. happen. That was a failure and a flop. And, and, mm, and, and, mm. Therefore, you know, he needed to get out of the way because he, according to them, he wasn't um, giving them information. He wasn't keeping them up to date. So they got rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that that was an excuse to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, but he's out. But the thing is, he's now, how does he come to this with neutrality? I don't mm-hmm. know. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and the Funduzzi report apparently doesn't mention him. I've not seen the, the, the entire document. Uh, and apparently he wasn't even interviewed to give information. But the right. Of this is that, you know, he was party to this this major failure in in South African cricket, which was the failure of this league to launch. So, right. and, and that has obviously impacted where we are now, um, and and it's a it's a problem. We have the the Mzanzi Super League in its place, and you know nobody wants to buy that to put it on TV. We've got to give it away free to the SABC, yeah. which is obviously exactly. a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we could have. Uh, we could have possibly could have sold it uh, to SABC, having who themselves had, had sold the archi- sold the archives, which apparently were the best music archives in the world. Um, mm. But what? Uh, just a last point as we head up to the break. Uh, sorry, just, we, we, yeah, we must take a break. Uh, yeah, just to keep an eye on time. Um, very interesting conversation, but we must take a very quick ad break. After the break, we continue our conversation. Okay, can we do that? Uh, Tell yes, Let's go no to problem. the break. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Right, we are back with our guest, Telf Advice. Um, Telf, really, the the, the last issue I wanted to canvas you was the issue of the development of black players. And I I feel that, obviously, the the key area to really getting long-term good results is as youngsters, with kids at primary school level. Firstly, how... How well is CSA doing on that? And obviously, how likely are the reactions in CSA to undermine that in any way? Well, one of the good people who works at CSA is a man called Eddie Causa, who's the acting head of Pathways. And I always feel better about cricket and CSA when I talk to Eddie Causa because, mm-hmm. my goodness, the man has a plan. And and we need another hour to to get to grips with it. He's got all sorts of systems in place. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's got... 
schools. They've identified schools where cricket could have a bigger footprint, and they're helping them, and they and they and you know and they're doing things. But the upshot is that since readmission in 1991, um, all 110 of South Africa's uh, test players have come from something like 35 schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I think I've got that 35 right. I know I have the 110 right. But anyway, I'm working on a piece on this. Um, and, and, and so you, you know, you're coming from so few schools. Cricket mm-hmm. is still this game which is played in the Lani schools. And, mm. and, and I'm afraid that narrative follows all the way through. You know, we play cricket at the Wanderers. We play cricket mm. at Newlands. We play cricket mm. at cathedrals in, 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 in very affluent areas. Mm. And, and in some ways it's, it's absolutely no, uh, accident that, um, the Pal Rocks won the Mzanzi Super League because mm. they're right next door. It's, it's in the middle of a colored township. Mm. And, and it's wonderful. It's mm. such a, Brilliant atmosphere, you know. Mm. It's, it's a party with a bit of cricket attached, mm. and, it, and, but, and not that I'm saying, trying to say that people don't watch cricket. There's a lot of watching going on. There's a lot of knowledge, and mm. those people just own the game there. You know, it's their game, and they're playing it, they're watching it, they're enjoying it, and they just walk across the road in their home. They mm. don't have to leave the world of the Wanderers mm. and the northern suburbs of Joburg and now find your way back to Soweto or Alex or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's. I think cricket has those problems and, and, and that filters all the way down to the schools. There's so many schools which do not play cricket. The, there's a CSA T20 challenge for schools and it features about 700 schools, um, in, 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 in the entire country. And there are something like 6,000 schools mm-hmm. in the entire country, high schools. Um, and, you know, and okay, so some of those will be, uh, maybe went up for cricket for a variety of reasons. I think you maybe struggle to get cricket established at girls only schools, for mm-hmm. instance. Um, but you know that's that's the equation. Seven hundred out of six thousand, um, and and CSA can't do all of that. You know it's mm. going to be up to the schools as well to mm. to offer cricket and to nurture it. And it is it's an expensive business. The facilities are they're not the easiest thing. Um, and so there's all of those factors coming into it. Um, you know, but again, we need to get away from this idea that cricket belongs to white people. It never has. It's never mm. been that way. Well, uh, I think. Wouldn't India be perhaps the best example of cricket as a, a non-elite sport? I mean, I know some of the uh, top cricketers do come from um, elite backgrounds, but it, it's it's a, it's a, it's the game in India, and uh, uh, India doesn't have uh, isn't mostly peopled by rich people. It's 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 ordinary people who've who've taken this game on in the uh, literally millions. Exactly. I love the way that cricket is simply, uh, India has simply taken cricket away from England. You know, it's ours now. Cricket lives in Calcutta. Which shows it can be done. Yeah. yeah well, you know, oh, we do it better anyway than, than the English do. I'm sure well, certain, well right. they have, they certainly have. Um, Tofel, I think I'm going to have to leave it there. I, I very tempted to get you back on, on, on the details of, of the development of cricket at, uh, at a later stage. And thank you very much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Only a pleasure.